0: You know, we try to be very practical in all of our sermons, all of our messages, everything we talk about from the Scriptures. We try to be very practical. I believe this has been one of the most practical series that we've uh, done as we've just tried to talk honestly about words and, and how words can become so heavy to us, such a burden to us, and how words can really be like a curse hanging around our neck that we don't know how to get rid of. And we've been talking about how to... Get rid of how to break the curse of words I've been carrying this crazy backpack around for four weeks now and I'm glad that today Finally I get to get rid of it, right? But I want to make a point And the point is that we made in the very beginning is that words that ought to be a blessing to us can sometimes be a curse to us words are heavy the wrong words especially become heavy to our hearts. They attach to us. Have you found that to be true? Words that sting, words that hurt, words that bruise do stick to us. It is true. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will No, that's a lie. Robert Fulgham put it this way. He rewrote that little axiom to say this. Sticks and stones will break your bones, and words are sure To hurt you. That's true. Words hurt. And sometimes those words that hurt the most are the ones that attach to us that we just can't get rid of like a brick, like a stone on our backs. And how can we get rid of the load? Well, today I want to talk a little bit more about that and talk about how we can break this curse. Of words. Now let me remind you where we've been. We saw first of all the first week that words, wrong words, are heavy. They're burdensome. We carry them around. We try to get rid of them. It's not that we don't want to get rid of them, right? It's not that you, don't, it's not that you enjoy hanging on to those words. It's just that they won't let go of you. Why is it that the words that hurt the most are the words that just keep ringing in my head, Right? Somebody says something, somebody does something, somebody writes something and you hear something and you know, it's hurtful, it just sticks in your head and rolls over and over and over and over again. Can't tell you how many people have said to me during this series, I, I, you know what, words that were spoken to me in my childhood still haunt me today, still burn me. It's like this heavy load of bricks that I can't get rid of. Words are heavy. And then the second week we saw That words are empowered by our hearts. That what's happened, really what comes from our mouth is a result of what's in our heart. And even though we like to say, oh, I didn't really mean that. The truth of the matter is we did. And I think that's why these hurtful words from other people hurt us so bad. Because we know they come from the heart. And even though the person says to us, oh, I didn't really mean that. Well, in truth, they did. And that hurts and it's heavy. But then last week, we saw that Jesus changes hearts and the hope that we have is this that we can change our words because he can change our hearts we can change the words that we speak to others and maybe just as importantly the words that we speak to ourselves because he changes our heart that is our hope But you're saying, okay, well, Christ has changed my heart. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a believer. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. And yet, why are these words still here? Could it be because you're believing a lie? I, I know I'm being a little bit frank there, and you don't like to be simplistic enough to think that somebody's calling you or saying you believe a lie. But oftentimes we do now. I know we live in a world where it's hard to discern the truth, right? It's difficult because there's so many people in the world expressing opinions and 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 so many ideas that we we, what is the truth? It's hard to discern sometimes just this week for example, right in the news What do we have we have a document that comes out and one person reads it and says this is the truth And one person reads it and says this is the truth and the, the two are far apart How do we know what is the truth? Sometimes it's easy to discern, sometimes it's hard to discern. Now, my wife, she loves to be at the pool, but she likes for the pool to be warm. You know what I'm saying? She likes warm water. No spring water for her. She likes the warm water. And so she's standing at the edge on the pool. How many times have I seen that? This, and she's looking into the pool, and the grandkids are in the pool, and she says, Is it is it warm or is it cold? And of course they're what? Oh, Mimi, come on in, it's perfect. It don't matter if it's 60 degrees, right? It's perfect. Come on in. And I'm over there saying, "Uh uh-uh, you do not want to jump in this water. Who's telling the truth? Well, I know we have perspectives, and I get that. How do we discern what is the truth? All of us sitting around a table eating wings, right? Are they hot? (laughs) Everybody around the table has got a different idea. Somebody says, "Not nah, they're not hot at all, they're mild. And somebody else puts it in and is right reaching for the ice water. Let me get this thing down. How, how do we know the truth? Sometimes it's hard because sometimes we view it from different perspectives, through different lenses, right? And, and one person sees truth through this lens and one through this lens. And, but there is a thing. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to make somebody mad here, but there is a thing called absolute truth. <laughs> there, there is a truth. That is absolute. That's not popular in our society, particularly among our younger generations. But the truth is, there is a truth that is absolute. And you're going to have to decide, who am I going to believe? This last message in this series, I'm going to center around this idea. This big idea is very, very important. And that is the truth, the truth breaks the curse of words. I really believe that. Think about it. The truth will break the curse of words. Jesus said this. You remember? He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? (laughs) Set you free. You will know the truth. Now, he went on to say, I am the truth, and I understand that. But the truth is the truth does set us free. The truth will break the curse of words. The question is, who... Will you believe? Will you believe what someone else has said about you? Or will you believe what God has said about you? I'm just saying that in this crowd of people, including this guy up here on the stage, we've all had people say something to us that is still weighing heavy on us. Are you going to believe them? Are you going to believe what God says? So I want to take a few minutes in the last few minutes we have on this topic and I want to talk about, a little bit about what God says about you. All right? I'm going to tell you the truth. And I think if you'll get it, this truth of what, if you'll choose to believe God, He'll set you free from the lies that other people have said about you. Let me show you what I mean. So take your Bibles, or if you have your on your phone, your tablet, wherever, it'll be up on the screen. And turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139 now psalm the the book of Psalms is really a book of songs, right? It's really a Hebrew hymn book The book of Psalms is a collection of songs that the Hebrews would sing either in their home Or in the temple or on the way to the temple on the way to worship or wherever they might be now The wonderful thing about these songs is that they're written. They're they're driven by emotion They're driven by what the songwriter is is experiencing so if he's experiencing joy they are all about joy and excitement if he's experiencing heartbreak he deals with that if he if he's experiencing forgiveness of sin then he expresses that if he's experiencing conviction of sin he shares that in this song he's going to teach us about the glory of God This is a a favorite of many, including Beth, one of her favorite songs. This is an incredible song because it so lifts us. But more importantly, it lifts God into this incredible picture of who he is. It, it, It is a theologically full song because it talks about God. It talks about his omnipotence. It talks about his omnipresence. It talks about his omniscience. That is, it says and declares that God, the God we serve, is all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere present. Now, that in itself makes him a pretty big God. As a matter of fact, frankly, it becomes hard to understand, hard for us to even grasp, because we don't know that in our finite state. But here the songwriter says of God, you'll see it in a moment, And he knows everything about everything. And that he is all-powerful. And that he is all-knowing. And we compare that divine attribute with the human attributes, which are so far less. Meaning this. We all know a little something, right? Some of us more than others. We all know a little something, but none of us know everything only God knows everything all of us are present somewhere and in some sense but in a limited sense God is everywhere present at one time Whew! that's a big thought all of us have some power to control some things But only God has all power to control all things. And suddenly when you read this psalm, you realize how small and minute we are and how mighty and grand God is. That's why today, right now, right now, at this very hour, we're here to worship God, to pray, to have Him listen to us and to us listen to Him. And yet, across the way, my Bahamian friends are having worship at the same time. How in the world can they worship God on their island and us here? Because he is omnipotent, he is omnipresent, and he is omniscient. So, I want to unpack a little bit of this song. I wish I had time to read the whole thing and move through the whole thing, but I don't. I'm going to pick out the first six verses. I'll start with the first six verses and unpack some truths about you and about me that we need to believe. Here we go. Look at verse 1. He says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. (laughs) All right, we can stop right there. The first thing he says is, Lord, you know me because you searched me. Now, that word searched in the Hebrew, remember Old Testament written in Hebrew. Sometimes it helps to know something about that word. Lord, you searched. The word searched there means something more than a casual glance. It has the idea of digging out. It has the idea of intensely looking for. I understand that. I got back from the Bahamas this week, and uh, I began to unpack my things. And when I unpacked my, my passport wallet, there was my passport perfectly in place. There were my cards. There was the cash I had set up. Everything was there except my driver's license. What in the world did I do with my driver's license? I know I had to carry it with me because I drive on the island. And where where was it? And so I began to search. I looked everywhere. I looked through my bag. I looked through my backpack. I looked through the clothes, the pockets of the, 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 the jeans, the pockets of the shorts, the pockets of my shirt. I looked through everything three times and then had Beth look through them three times. No driver's license. But I searched. Intensely. That's the idea of the word. An intense search. By the way, it turned up, so everything's good. Just want you to know that so you don't think about that the whole time. Here we go. I'm searching. And he says, God, Lord, you searched me. Not just a casual glance, but an intense search. And you've known me. Think about that. God knows you. I think that's pretty important to understand, because sometimes we get the idea that we're lost in this world. And nobody cares. So, sometimes somebody will lie to us and say, "Yeah, nobody cares about you. Nobody knows about you." Yeah, he does. Sometimes we get the idea that we're just a little nobody in this little big world and and everything's going astray and everything's going crazy and uh, nobody even knows. Yeah, God knows you. Now that's kind of hard for me to wrap my mind around, frankly, to think that God knows me and I believe he knows me by name. You say, well, how do you know that? I, I, I know that because here's what Jesus said. You remember Jesus said that not only does God know you, this has always fascinated me, but he knows even the number of hair on your head. Right? Isn't that what he said? The number of hairs on your head. I'm not sure why that matters, but it's incredible to know that God knows me completely. First thing you need to know, God knows me. Lord, you know me. Now, look at this. He says, he, he expands on that in verse 2. He says, when I sit down, you know when I sit down and when I stand up. Now, the idea there is not just no, sit down, stand up. Remember, this is poetry, Hebrew poetry. And so the idea is this, God, not only do you know me, you know everything about me. Everything about me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You know everything about about me. In fact, look on, you understand my thoughts from far away. Now, frankly, that's a little sobering. Not only does God know everything about me that I declare or say, He even knows my thoughts, what I'm thinking. He even knows my heart. That produces that. Not only does he know what we do, he knows the motivation that drives us to do it. Now, I don't know about you, but that is a little bit sobering to me to know that God knows what's behind everything that I do. And that's exactly what he's saying. Now somebody reads this and says, God understands my thoughts. He he knows my thoughts. In fact, look at the next verse. He says, you observe my travels and my rest. And you're always aware of all my ways. You see everything that I do. You see everywhere that I go. Everywhere that I go. That's sobering to me. (laughs) Because sometimes I go places I don't need to go. Can I get an amen? I mean, that just happens, right? It just happens. Uh, Not long ago, um, well, my grandson this week, one of my grandsons, my oldest grandson, turned uh, 17. And um, his mother had a conversation with one of her friends whose son turned 16. And she was talking about how they were now these teenagers that could now drive and go wherever they wanted to go. And she said, remembering back to what I did when I was that age, that scares me. Yeah, I bet it does. Yeah, that's what you call grandparents' revenge. You know, that's the one thing about grandparenting that's really fun. But anyway, I'm thinking, yeah. And and then I decide, you know what? Here's the really cool thing that some of you guys have that I didn't have is those apps on the phone where you can track them to see everywhere they go. That's pretty cool. Except, let me just tell you, kids are smart enough to get around that. Amen? Yeah, they, they know. Wouldn't it be good? Anyway, God... Sees everywhere we go, hears every word we say. I remember when I was younger and uh, came into a, to church actually over in Brantford and uh, I remember going out one day and seeing these guys these young guys playing basketball on the court out by the school I loved basketball and back then I was young enough to not uh, pay for it for three days when I played so I said like, I'm going to go out there and play basketball with them and so we're having this great time and we're playing basketball and, and as will happen in a game like that some words get thrown away, around and thrown out there that uh, just say inappropriate I won't mention them right now and then suddenly one of them says wait stop he's the preacher <laughs> when I go to play golf with my friends they would all want more they, they had a casual way they had a really cool way of letting all their friends know I was the preacher before we started I knew what they were doing They were saying, put away the drinks and put away the words. We got the preacher with us, right? I knew what they were saying. I understood that. And so at first I used to combat that and say, but but then I began to accept it and say, that's good, at least I'm getting clean. But here's the point. I looked at those boys playing basketball, and I said, y'all do understand, don't you? It's not important what I hear you say. God hears every word you say, and he's the one that really matters. And so the songwriter says, God, You know everything about me. And then look at verse 4. He says, Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? He knows what we're going to say before we ever say it. By the way, if that sounds just too far-fetched for you, remember Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. We hear the story, read the story where Jesus was in the last days of ministry, and he sent his disciples to secure a, a, a donkey for him to come in to town on and to secure an upper room for the, the place where they would meet. And you remember what happened? He said to them, he said, now go into town, and you're going to find a donkey, a tied-up donkey, never ridden before. He said, just untie it and bring it to me. Knowing that the disciples were thinking, how can I do that? He said, now somebody is going to say to you, what are you doing? Taking the donkey. He says, just tell them the Lord needs it and they'll be okay with it. Now, how in the world did he know what somebody was going to say? Because he's God. And God knows what we're going to say even before we say it. Wow. Because he knows our thoughts knows our heart even before we speak it. Somebody asked me a good question, and can I just touch on this? It has a little to do with what I want to say, but I want to just touch on it. Somebody said to me, asked this question a couple of weeks ago. He said, Pastor, does, I know that God knows my thoughts. Does the devil know my thoughts? Can the devil read my mind? Can I just go ahead and say an answer to that? No. No. He is not omniscient. God is omniscient. That is, God is all-knowing. Satan is not all-knowing. He is an angel of light. Yeah, he is an angel. He is a powerful being, but guess what? He is not God, and he does not know your thoughts. So just every now and then, keep your mouth shut, and don't tell him some things. I mean, really. When you start talking about how scared you are, guess what? He's going to jump on that bandwagon, Don't speak those things. Just hold some things to yourself. All right, that's free, not part of the message. Take that off my time. Here's what I want you to see. Look at the next verse. He says, you have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. In other words, God, you have a purpose for me. You have something for me to do. And you have your hand on me. This, he says, verse 6, this wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It's lofty. I'm unable to reach it. Now, what does all that have to do with words? It has a lot to do with words. It has a lot to do with words because God says some things about you and me there that we need to choose to believe. And if you'll choose to believe them, you can contradict the lies that people have or do speak to you. For instance, I wrote down four things here that I just kind of drew from it. I wrote this down first. God created you exactly like he wanted you. He knows you. And he's pleased with you. I know that's hard to believe, but he does. He made you exactly like he wanted you. Now, frankly, I don't know why he made you like that, but he did. He made you exactly like he wanted you. So, when you've got to make a choice, When you look at something about you that you don't like and it's something someone says or does or writes or even your own flesh or your own enemy, somebody says to you something bad about yourself that hurts you, can I just tell you, remind yourself of the truth. The truth is God made you just like he wanted you. Does anybody get up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, that is a perfect specimen right there. Yep, I knew somebody would say it. This morning, two guys on the front row. Yep, I, 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 and I looked at them and said, well, it's a lie. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you know, no. Most of, let's be honest. Most of the time, at least some point in our life, we've looked in the mirror and we said, ah, I hate that nose. Ah, wish those ears weren't so big. Ah, wish I had some lips or whatever it is that you see, you don't like. But yeah, God made you just like he wanted you. Sometimes it's personality, you know? I look at myself sometimes, and I, I wish I had a different personality. You know, I, I don't know if I like them or not, but we do a lot of these personality tests. You know, y'all do those things that maybe we do them a lot with our staff, checking personality, so we can learn how to get along. You know, understand each other better. And type A, type B, what type whatever, or, or you know, that the new Enneagram. You know, with the number system of six or seven or whatever you might be. And I look at those things, and all they do is kind of dis, all, all, all they do really is discourage me, because I'm thinking if I'm an A, I should be a B. Or if I'm a C, I should be a D, you know. Or if I'm a 7, I should be a 2, meaning I always want to be something I'm not. And then I'm reminded, God made me exactly like he wanted me. I remember early in my, my time in ministry as a pastor, I always looked at guys who were really the greatest preachers there. You know, the, I mean, the guys who could just really light up the room. And I'd look at them and I'd think, man, I wish I could preach like that. Wish I could teach like that. And then God reminded me he didn't make me like that. He made me like he made me. And sorry, you just got stuck with me. But anyway, that's the way it is, right? He made you. You need to remember that. That is the truth. Don't believe the lies that say you ought to be something you're not. Okay? Listen to me carefully. The second thing I wrote down is this. God knows everything about you. And does it hold it against you? Now, that's good news. Now, look, I'm talking about those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Understand, I'm talking about people who have come to the faith in Christ and who have received the forgiveness that comes through His blood the forgiveness that comes through the cross of Christ when we come and yield ourselves to him, bow our knee to him, and he comes into our heart and into our life. He washes us with the blood from the cross and he presents us as holy to God. You know what the scripture says? That he knows us and loves us anyway and doesn't hold our past against us. Wow. Some of you are allowing your past To Constantly curse you Something in your past that every time you start to move forward a little bit something in your past raises its ugly head and says yeah But remember Or somebody brings up your past right? How is it that people always have a way of bringing up our past at the wrong time? About the time we're making progress in our life. Somebody's gonna come along and say yeah, but remember Isn't it good that the scripture says that God puts our sin behind his back to remember them no more? Isn't it incredible that Paul said when he wrote to the Romans, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus? You say, well, that just sounds too good to be true. That's grace. That's grace. It is too good to be true, but it is true. It's the grace of God. You're saved by grace, not of works. In other words, we can't earn our way. If you're trying to earn your way to heaven, you'll never get there. But if you'll accept the grace of God that says, I know every detail about you. I know when you stand up. I know when you sit down. I know your words before you speak them. I know your heart. I know your head. I know everything about you. And I still decided to send my one and only son to die on a cross To forgive you of all your sin, to cleanse you of your unrighteousness, to make you holy before me so that we could spend eternity in heaven together. Wow. And yet somebody says to you, you're just a no good for nothing person that nobody cares about. That's a lie. What does God say about you? I wrote this down. God knows every word you speak and every word that is spoken to you. He knows every word we speak, so be careful. But he also knows every word that is spoken to you. And so that means those words that have become a curse to us, those words that have attached themselves to us and will not let go, those words that we just wonder, how can I live with? I wish I could get them ringing out of my ear. God knows about the weight of everyone. Nobody else may know or need to know. No one else may understand. But God does. He knows. And then the last thing I wrote down is this. God knows what's weighing on your heart. And he cares. God knows what is weighing you down. He knows the words. He knows the stones. He knows the bricks. Everything I put in this pack for the last three weeks, God knows. And it does matter to him. And he speaks to you and says, what you need to do is believe what I say about you. I'm not trying to give you just some kind of a magical formula that you can dream up on your own. No, I'm saying to you that God change your heart. Let Christ rule your life. And what the psalmist says about God, ring in your heart. Who are you going to believe? In fact, that's kind of the big idea I want to leave with you. That's kind of, that's kind of the way I want to, write what, to round up this series. I, I want to just kind of tie a bow on the whole series with this thought. Really simple. Whose words will you believe? Whose words are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the words that your parents told you back when, I don't know, they were mad at you or something, and they told you something that has stuck with you through life? Are you going to believe those words? Or are you going to believe what God says? Are you going to believe the words of some friend who is ranting on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat? Are you going to believe the words that God spoke? Are you going to believe the words that somebody emailed you when they were angry? Are you going to believe the words that God spoke to you? Are you going to believe the words of an enemy that wants to kill and destroy you? That's what Jesus said. That's what this Peter said. That Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Are you going to believe him? Or are you going to believe the words that God speaks? I want to wrap this up in a little unusual way. And, and I would ask if it's okay with you, but since you're here, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> I want to just read for you a few promises from God's Word. A few things that God says about you from His Word. And and maybe you're saying, well, what else does God say about me? He says so much. I want to just read a couple. I'm not going to comment. Don't worry. I'm I'm, I'm coming in for a landing. But I want to read to you a couple of words. First of all, Ephesians 2.10. Listen to this. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. You and I are his workmanship. That's what God says about you. He's working on you. God's working on you today. I don't know about you, but that's good news because if I'm finished, I'm a faulty product. I am not finished. I am not complete. But God's working on me. So therefore, be patient with me, and I'll be patient with you. He's working. I mean, we are His workmanship. God is building you just the way He wants to build you. Listen to this, 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, but you speaking to his people you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light God says this about you he says you are a chosen people he has chosen you wow he must see something there he must see something there He chose us. He called us out of darkness into the light. Wait a minute. It gets better. Listen to Romans 8.1. I already alluded to it. Let me read it one more time. It says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for them in Christ Jesus. Do you understand what that means? That means when we place our sins on Christ on the cross, He places His righteousness on us and He doesn't condemn us. He doesn't hold it against us. He doesn't punish our sin. Now, he straightens us out, okay? He disciplines us like a father disciplines a child. But those of you who are parents, can't you say for sure you don't discipline your child to punish it? You discipline your child to teach them. To direct them. To discipline them. So it is with God. And I wish I could talk on that forever. But I want to take, look at, let's go to the Old Testament. Jeremiah 1.5. Listen to this. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. What? God chose. You say, well, wait a minute. That was for Jeremiah. He was, a I understand. That was for Jeremiah. But can I tell you? The same is true for you and me. God Chose you, he said, before he formed you in the womb. Set you apart. Can I just tell you something? God has a reason and a purpose for everyone in this room. I firmly believe that. Now, we all have different purposes and different reasons. And we exist for different, uh, in, in different uh, worlds, I guess you would say. But can I tell you something? It doesn't matter what you are called to. You do it faithfully unto God. And that becomes a blessing in your life. You're not all called to be a preacher. Why is it we think that only preachers are spiritual? That's just because you don't know them very well. Those of you who know them well know preachers are just people. But one thing I know, whether I'm called to be up here and proclaim the gospel or whether I'm in the workplace proclaiming the truth, whether I am called to be a missionary on a foreign field or called to be a missionary to my neighbor next door, whatever God calls me to, whether that's an electrician, or a carpenter, whether that's an assistant to an executive, whether that's a teacher, go down the list. Whatever God calls you to, all he says is be faithful. Just be faithful where you are, where you're planted. Just be faithful. You don't have to be somebody else. Just be faithful. God has given you that. I said I wasn't going to comment. Let me move quickly. Genesis 127. So God created man in his own image. You are created in the image of God. So before you start talking about how ugly you are and how demeaning you are, and before you start talking about how sorry you are, you are in the image of God. Now, Enough said. 1 Corinthians 15, listen to this. He says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. In other words, God says about you that you are engaged in His work and whatever His work for you is, is important. Don't let somebody lie to you and say whatever you're doing is meaningless. You're just a menial nobody. No. Whatever you are called to do, God has called you to do it and it's important you do count man that's pretty good stuff that'd be a good place to say amen Amen. oh thank you wondering if I was preaching to myself or what let me just give you another one I love this one from Isaiah listen to what Isaiah says where God says to us through the prophet Isaiah chapter 41 he says do not fear for I am with you do not be afraid For I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. Be sure that all who are engaged against you will be ashamed and disgraced. Those who contend with you will become as nothing and will perish. You will look for those who contend with you, but you will not find them. Those who war against you will become absolutely nothing. For I am the Lord your God who holds your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. Wow. Wow. If I'm reading that right, God says, I'm going to help you. Don't fear. I was listening to a song. Beth and I were listening to the radio coming up. And uh, I, was, I think Jeremy Kent maybe that had this song. I don't remember who the artist was. But the song said, fear is a liar. Have you heard that song? Fear is a liar. What a great song. Fear Is a liar whatever fear is telling you it's a lie now if you believe it it's gonna weigh you down if you believe it, it's going to attach to you and you're not gonna be able to shake it or you can choose to believe God so I'm here to help you I'm here to walk with you I'm here to protect you I got your right hand what a thought Whose words will you choose to believe? I know how hard it is. I know that when, you, when, when death is staring you down, when controversy is staring you down, when pressure is looking you in the eyes, when stress is wrapped around your neck, it's easy to believe the lie. Or will I choose to believe God? God will help me. I have your right hand. That's a pretty powerful word. Let me give you a couple more, and I'll quit, I promise. But these are worthwhile. Listen to this. You know this one from John's Gospel. For God so loved the world... He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. What a thought. John, 1 John chapter 3. Listen to this. See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know Him. You're God's child. One thing I know as a parent is I'm going to take care of my child. Right? Last one. I love this. Philippians 1, 6. Paul said, I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul says, God has begun something in you and he's going to finish it. It's not done yet, but he's going to finish it. Whose words are you going to believe? Are you going to believe God's words? Are you going to believe the words of the enemy? Are you going to believe the words of some friend? I'm just saying today that if you will choose to believe God's words, you can unpack these words. You can unpack the bricks that weigh you down. And you can go through life way, way better. This thing feels a lot better now. Thanks for letting me unpack it. I believe that if you'll believe the truth, God's truth, you can break the curse of words. Pray with me, would you? Heavenly Father, I thank you for giving us these few moments today. Be able to just talk from your word. See your word. and listen to what you say and to believe your truth, I pray, Father, that you would now continue to speak to our hearts. I pray, pray, God, that you would affirm the words that have been spoken today, that you would assure us of the truth of your word.